May the fourth be with you. Gosh, I'm sorry. I've been so sick of seeing that all day on Twitter, and I do apologize. But, hey, it's May 4th. We're just chugging along here. Still drinking coffee, 9 p.m. on the West Coast. We're tuning in live. I appreciate all of you guys for helping me spread this message. We have breaking news from our man, James Philan. This is in regards to the library case versus the SEC. The SEC has filed this motion for summary judgment. It's below. And uh, James just always keeping us updated, and we do appreciate that. We go to, I read through this thing. Read through the whole thing, or at least half of it. And um, first off, I just want to start by saying that I am not a lawyer. This is not my expertise. I do not want to know really what I'm talking about in regards to like reading out court documents and the law. And uh, you guys need to refer to our lawyers, Jeremy Hogan, James Flan, and the, our man, John Deaton, representing all of us XRP holders. But we've been watching this library versus SEC case because it's moving along faster than the Ripple versus SEC case. We're expecting this case to wrap up before the Ripple one does. And I believe that that's, just, just to get to the point, I believe that's because they, they are struggling to build their case against Ripple versus library here. They're moving much faster here amongst library, and I'm going to cover the key points that I was able to take away going through this document and finding out what they have here. And this ties to the whole cryptocurrency space. So the whole currency, cryptocurrency space here is getting moved on by the SEC. And the SEC is only going to be having jurisdiction over the securities. And specifically, we're talking about the projects that did ICOs, that raised money to, to build out their network, to, to build out their network, to develop the ecosystem, right? Um, to, to build out their company and their infrastructure. That's where the SEC is going to be able to get 99% of cryptos because they did an ICO offering, offering that wasn't unregistered securities offering. We've been talking about this a bunch here on this channel. So you guys already know the deal. But let's just go through some of the facts that, that was pointed out here by the SEC in this lawsuit in particular. <clears throat> Excuse me. In this case, library created the tokens and gifted them to themselves or awarded them 400 million. I forget what the total was supposed to be. Maybe it was a billion. Um, I, I don't have that number right before in front of me, but they gave themselves 400 million of the supply. The SEC states that only library was developing the network. So we didn't have uh, really decentralization going on. It was all being built out by library. That, that's a key point. There was a quote here, investment, not consumptive intent. So in other words, the people that were buying the library token were not buying it to consume it or use it. They were buying it for an investment contract to give up money to get more money in return. They say, quote, investment, not consumptive intent. I thought that was a key point. Another thing that they mentioned is a one-year lockup period. So with some of the early like VCs and different groups that they, they did deals with, they had a one-year lockup period. It was like one year up to 18 months. And they say, quote, purchaser's intent was to obtain a substitute for fiat currency. 
investors put it in cold storage lockup. So basically saying that they put them on cold storage wallets, they locked them up for over a year, up to 18 months. That's an investment, right? They, they signed basically an agreement or came to an agreement with the company library that they were going to lock up these tokens <clears throat> for, for over a year. And they had them in cold storage. So th they go on to say here that the Howey test has been around for 75 years. So the main defense that library is using is the fair notice defense. That's the main argument that they have. Uh, now, let me remind everyone, I'm not like terribly caught up. I need to do a better deep dive on this, really. I'm just trying to, you know, make this simple for everyone to understand here and how this is going to apply to the rest of the cryptocurrency space in simple layman's terms. The Howey test has been around for 75 years, and they state that there's three prongs to that Howey test. <clears throat> An investment of money in a common enterprise and the last one is an expectation of profits derived from the efforts of the promoter or third party. Now that one, that one hit me different because when you talk about the marketers too, this is why I've always stated for, for the TikTok kids. See, side note, side story. Um, Last year, I was thinking about this yesterday, and, and I'm going to make probably a separate video on this. It's just crazy to me to realize that last year, me and a bunch of other kids on TikTok blew up, and it changed our lives forever. There's me and a couple dozen creators that really blew up big on crypto TikTok. And comparing myself with all the rest of them, I'm the only person I know with my size following that has not done a paid promotion ever. Not one. Everyone else has done the early stage uh, buying from Infinity Launchpad, basically these ICOs, getting in pre-ICO. They did deals like that or they just straight up received cash to promote these projects that... We're now figuring out whether or not they are a security. And as Gary Gensler and Jay Clayton both said, they view 99% of cryptos or, or all of them that did ICOs as securities. So this has been the big thing. And, and I compare myself, I think how fortunate, how lucky I was, my life was completely changed by what happened last year on TikTok. Now we, uh, I just passed 275,000 followers on TikTok. We just hit 33K on YouTube. I appreciate all of you guys. Thank you so much. But it all started last year back on TikTok, talking about crypto. Now we talk about everything, right? Current events, business, everything. But what a moment in time. And I'll be able to look back five, 10 years from now and see that all these other guys sold out. All these other guys shilled bullshit to the people. Excuse my language. But it's just, it needs to be said. These guys pushed BS on all of their followers. A lot of them younger. A lot of them younger too. And, you know, I'm not saying that necessarily they need to be gone after. I, You know, but people got hurt. A lot of people got hurt. And they have been getting hurt for years. 
Now, the average investor is just trying to get rich quick. And I'm not saying that the average person should be suing these companies or suing someone because their bags are down and they're just a bad investor and they don't know value and they can't look through and understand that out of all of the cryptocurrency space, 99% of the space does need to go away because it's not getting anything done. It is all BS. Marketing ploys to fund a company and they're taking the money and running with it. I don't know truly, you know, with this library case, I don't really know how it falls. Um, I'm, I'm just now going deep and starting to freshen up myself on this case on all the circumstances. So right now, I'm just I've, all I've really read through here is this motion for summary judgment coming from the SEC. So this is the facts determined by the SEC. They state, though, that there's 75 years of the Howey test already making it clear for fair notice defense. And then they're stating that they're, you know, those three prongs, which I already listed, an investment of money, a common enterprise, and an expectation of profits derived from the efforts of the promoter or third party. Okay. And they say, quote, a person of ordinary intelligence. Well, <laughs> that I mean, that's whatever you want to call it, because I can tell you right now, the average investor, um, well, that, that's a whole other story. But they, they say a person of ordinary intelligence would know the fair notice defense and would know that they were offering a security. Another thing that they list is that only library has proposed a hard fork and each fork was adopted by the other users. So the only upgrades to the network came from library. So in conclusion, it looks like the only people that were building out library was library. But in my opinion, we need to get clear, clear here. We need to be able to register with the SEC and do a proper securities offering if that's what it is. And we need to be able to invest into these companies without having to be, quote, accredited investors, which is whatever the SEC deems us responsible enough to invest in. That's my whole problem, is that even though they might have broke securities laws, doesn't mean that that's not stifling American innovation and business. And the SEC needs to get out of the way and go after the real criminal corrupt players. And that's a whole other story, which I could rant on for a full hour about that. But I'm going to try to stay focused here, guys. I want us to understand the implications of this towards the rest of the cryptocurrency space. There's a reason why I don't hold 20 different coins. I can only find a handful that are worth my time, that are worth my investment, in my opinion. That's not financial advice. I'm not telling you to copy me. I'm, I'm saying when I go to invest, I want conviction in my investments. I want to know that I'm investing in something that's going to be a winner. Whether they want to, whether it's deemed a security or, or it's a currency like XRP, which I'll get into that, I, I want to be able to invest in it. And I'm only going to invest in the projects that I know I'm taking a risk, but I see the potential. I see the opportunity. I see the team, the ecosystem, the network, the utility, the use cases. The problems it solves valued in trillions and hundreds of trillions and quadrillion dollars. That's where I put my money. And I don't play around with any of the rest of it. When you compare this case 
to XRP Ripple much different? There's a few different things here. Let's go back to the inception of XRP, just a few points. XRP was created by Jed McCaleb, Arthur Brito, David Schwartz. Three, three guys. Three guys got together. And they just conjured up this idea. And they released the XRP ledger out into the world. And it was fully developed and usable for anyone basically right away. Right away when it was built out, the Bitcoin, they, they, they were Bitcoin developers. They were Bitcoin developers, they left, and they create an actual currency that's going to get something done. They create the currency, and then these guys gift it to the company, uh, Newcoin, or no, sorry, OpenCoin. OpenCoin, which later became Ripple. Right? Now, they gave themselves 50 billion, right? About 50 billion of the token. So, something similar there. But anyone could have built out the XRP ledger from day one. And it's also not had any downtime. And other people have suggested updates to the network. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to actually find those. Um, but we got guys like uh, Vitze, Vitze Vin, Vitze Win, however you say his name. You know, one of the key developers on the XRP Ledger that's not even working at Ripple, right? Um, so we have plenty of developers that are building on XRP, and we have all the different use cases, and we're getting XRP to consume it. And even Ripple partners for on-demand liquidity are getting that XRP to consume it like a currency, right? To use it. It's not for for us. For the regular doofus moron like myself, who, you know, is, is trying to get rich, we throw a little bit of money at this thing and we are expecting a higher price, right? So whether they determine that my investment contract is with uh, Ripple, with whoever, doesn't really matter because it's, it's a currency. We're allowed to buy and trade currencies and or commodities, Right? And this is the difference between where the CFTC is going to take over and the SEC. So the SEC will have jurisdiction over 99% of the space. The CFTC is going to be in charge of handling the rest, commodities, futures, trade, and commission. Um, and, and so this is, this is you know going to be interesting to watch how this case wraps up with this library case. I think it's going to be... Um, give us a glimpse at what's going to be coming for the rest of the cryptocurrency space going forward. Now, Ethereum's dead. I mean, when you look at this point that the SEC makes, only Library has proposed a hard fork, and each fork was adopted by the other users. So basically, they're the only ones that fork the network. Well, what's happening right now with ETH2? They got to get a gang of developers from the Ethereum Development Foundation, right? Basically, people that they sign off on or, or let allow come to the consensus criminal corrupt organization that is the Ethereum Development Foundation to build out ETH 2.0, right? So we have key differences between XRP and Library. We can see that. But it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. You know, really, libraries, all they got is this fair notice defense. And 
the way that most of these cryptos did, I would say they should have known that they were offering a security. They should have known that they were offering a, a, a securities offering that needs to be registered. Any lawyer, you know, would have told them to go into the SEC and, and tell them what you're doing. And from what I can see from the CEO of Library, they, they tried to. They tried to do things the right way. And then they got sued. And Ripple did the same thing, right? They, they put an office in D.C. trying to do the right thing. And then they get chosen, right? So going to be interesting to watch this one. Um, we'll, we'll keep an update on this case. In regards to the Ripple versus SEC case, we have the freedom of information request has been granted. And this is, uh, this is in regards to the Hinman emails. So the request has been granted. We uh, have a bunch of redacted documents and emails to look at here in the Hinman thing. I haven't even gone through this yet, but uh, the case is definitely cracking open here in the Ripple versus SEC case. We saw this post yesterday from James Philan. This is Solomon from the Ripple lawyers. Solomon, just an absolute killer. I mean, these, this is the team that you want representing you when you go into a court of law, guys. Solomon comes, this is a direct quote from James Flan. Solomon comes out swinging in opposing SEC requests to file a reply brief. Quote, the SEC requests leave to file what they term a, quote, reply, but this would be at least the SEC's sixth filing in opposition to defendants' motion to compel. Sixth filing. So this case is about ready to get wrapped up. I mean, what what is going on here? And then I'm not going to play this one. This is Brad talking about more unannounced central banks have been signed. So, you know, let, let's let's wrap up this case. Let's build the CBDC for America on the XRP ledger. Let's get something done. Let's move ahead, create a level playing field. Ripple will cut our Treasury Department a deal for some of the XRP and uh, we'll all be good. We'll all be good. Or they'll just do the, the forced buyback and they'll force us all to give up our XRP for five digits. There's that theory too. But uh, let's key on on this. I mean, Brad just low-key casually dropped this. And God, I love Brad Garlinghouse. Like he just looks so comfortable right now. You know, they're, they're at the Ripple House there on the beach having their champagne, right? We see Brad here, out of the suit, laid back, got the polo, looking good as always. But he's calmer than ever as he just casually drops. We're working with central banks and we have more to be unannounced. What's your crypto doing? What's your project doing? We're going to be one of the first ones through the door here once this SEC stage lawsuit's over. And we're going to be well on our way. Now we have this one coming from Documenting Ripple. This is a nice little Ripple archive on Twitter. This little page here, uh, just documenting what's going on with XRP and Ripple. Breaking, Ripple is loading the, board on X, loading the boat on XRP, are you? So we take a look here. And this is the quarterly buys of XRP from Ripple. So they took a break through 2020, 2021. And then now we see in Q3 of 2021, um, they sent it. 
they sent it and they started loading up. Remember, it was 321 million in Q4. And we have 1.15 billion. 1.15 billion XRP bought. Did, I mean, God, I haven't even read the report yet. Actually, no, I did. I did read parts of it, but 1.15 billion. Did they really go buy 1.15 billion with their own cash? Brad told us, uh, Ripple team told us that in Q4 that they were in the best cash position that the company's ever been in. Just like Dan says, success leaves clues. Warren Buffett, I was listening to him today, said that they will always be sitting on cash, that they will always be heavy on cash, right? And we see Ripple now, best, best cash position that they've ever been in. A little news coming out of California. This is from Chris Larson. Proud of my home state and California governor, Gavin Newsom, for taking an important step today to ensure the U.S. remains a place where blockchain and crypto can continue to thrive. Looks like California Governor Newsom issues an executive order on crypto as state embraces digital currencies. You know that Gavin's going to embrace a little bit more control of his population absolutely he's going to step in 100 percent. i haven't looked uh taken a look at that executive order but i'll follow up with you guys on that want to cover some of this uh economic real estate news the adp small business employment decline of 105,000 in the three months to april is a good leading recession indicator as there is is as good a leading recession indicator as there is. Identical pattern in October, December 2019, and September through November of 2007. I do not know what ADP is, but uh, yeah, we had about 105,000 small business employment decline of 105,000 jobs lost. So yeah, the employment numbers came out today. And remember, they have the unemployment numbers skewed just like they do the inflation numbers as well. But uh, small business, middle class America is just getting wiped out right now. The small business owner right now is ready to turn the key. Many of them. Many of them took out loans by using their home equity to keep the business afloat. They took out PPP loans. I know. I've gone on the website and seen all the people in my county that took out PPP loans. I can name them off, each company. I work for many of them. I can't say too much actually more. People in my local area are starting to listen to me more. But uh, yeah, no, you can find it. It's all public, public uh, documentation. You can go find everyone who took PPP money. But anyways, the point being, lot, here's the point with that. The point was you were supposed to use the money for paycheck protection plan or whatever it was to pay your people, right? You already know how much fraud was committed with that program. It was supposed to keep your people on. And that's the lie because I know the companies and I know what they reported. When you go look it up on the website, it shows you how many 
employees they tout they have, how many reported employees, how many jobs they were going to keep by taking the millions of dollars. I'm kind of kicking myself. I probably should have took some of that money too. If you did it right, you didn't even have to pay it back, right? Um, so whether that was right or wrong, the point being the game's over, right? They're not filling the punch bowl back up. They're raising interest rates, right? And what's happening right now is the small businesses are losing their employees to the bigger businesses that are paying their people better, that can pay their people better. Right now I'm seeing uh, McDonald's is paying 18 to 19 bucks an hour starting. So any doofus moron can go get a job making nearly 20 bucks an hour. Not to offend any of the McDonald's employees. I respect anyone that gets their ass out off the couch and goes to work. The point is the people are getting squeezed right now. Main Street business is getting squeezed right now. And the Fed is pulling the plug on this thing. They're letting it sink now. Like this is a ship. Uh, the ship is sinking and they're letting it. They're throwing out some some little rafts, blowing up some little rafts for some for some of their chosen uh, big Wall Street types, right? But Main Street's getting killed right now. This one from Daniela DiMartino Booth. What's on your risk radar? Adjustable rate mortgage volumes from 578 billion to 698 billion in April. This is not good. That that's showing more adjustable rate mortgage volume up uh, by over 100 billion, right? Just in just in April. And these people are, are, you know, getting into these adjustable rates and now they're starting to raise rates. We just got the news today, right? That they were raising by half a percentage. This is the most, uh, the, the largest interest rate hike in 22 years. In the year 2022, do I need to go through the numbers for you guys? <laughs> largest interest rate hike in 22 years. And these people are getting trapped in these adjustable rate mortgages, and they, they already did over the last five, 10 years. They got into these five-year adjustable rates. We've been talking about this one. Check out this tweet here. I think this says it all. The silence in the Canadian housing, hashtag Canadian housing, is the sound of price discovery. Repricing a market from 1.5% mortgage rates to 4% would carve almost 20%. All else equal in the fall will reconvene to see who still wants to add an extra million units to this market. Whoa. Okay, so Canada's hit, getting hit hard right now. And we've been watching these numbers. The greater Vancouver area down 34%. Price. Price is down 34% in a year. 15000 union jobs, uh, trade guys in, I think the greater Toronto area walked off the job. That might've been Canada wide. I don't know if that was Canada wide or just in Toronto, uh, 15,000, all high rise developments stopped in Toronto. 
And then now we see here what's what's going to happen is the mortgage rates are already starting to go up. They already did just off the last rate increase. And we're going to see what happens next if uh, the mortgage rates continue to go up. I will tell you right now that I just got... <laughs> I just got pre-approved and um, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so jacked up for the first time home buyer. And if you're not a W-2 employee like myself, right? Like I, I'm, I'm self-employed. They have looked everywhere throughout my whole life. These guys know me. Uh, and they still want to bend me over. Just unbelievable what they're trying to get out of me. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. I'm just gonna leave it at that, criminal. But in this market, um, we're starting to see the mortgage rates go up. Lots of examples of suburban houses bought at the peak in February and the neighbors selling an identical house for 15% less today. So this Steve Soretsky guy, we've been covering him out of Canada. I need to follow this guy by now. So I've started to follow some of these uh, Canadian real estate guys, uh, a couple real estate agents, you know, just, just to get a sense of what's going on because... Um, you know, the same thing's basically happening in America, in our major cities as well. We're starting to see the price declines hit. Um, and uh, I'm seeing it in my area as well. This tweet here, the shift in the real estate market has been underway for six weeks now, but the scary Canadian real estate headlines are just beginning. They will get worse. So the Canadian market's been really propped up. And if you're, I mean, I love my Canadians. If you guys think that I'm trying to pick on you, well, I am, but I pick on everyone. I pick on Americans here as well. We've been just as fat and happy. We've been fatter. Um, I don't know about happier, but uh, the, the, this, this party's over, guys. This party's absolutely over. Um, and, and I want you guys to have a plan right now to execute on, on your real estate, on your business. And if you're in the cryptocurrency space too, which we talk about a lot too, we are in great, great opportunities to get these assets. They've already dropped 50 to 70%. Um, and if you truly believe in them, I mean, I, I finally checked my bag after like two months. I didn't even looked at my portfolio. And this is the problem with all you guys is you're checking your portfolio every day, five times a day. You're not just checking the price of the coins. You're busting out the calculator every day. Oh my gosh, what's my little XRP bag up to? Guys, all I focus on is building my businesses, my strategies here that I execute on a daily basis and figuring out where, where, what, what investment is next, right? What's the best allocation to happen next here? We already have 100% conviction on all the projects that we've invested in. We can ride the bags down 50% and, and that's going to be an opportunity for us to load up even more. So I, I'm just saying that because I know a lot of people are capitulating right now. I'm seeing it in my comments. A lot of new people, a lot of new people are scared to get in. It's just like me getting into real estate. Right now I'm scared to get into real estate because it's upside down. 
And because, I mean, if I told you guys what my offer was for what I got pre-approved for, you, I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. You wouldn't want to buy a house either. Uh, but the same thing's happening with new people into crypto. They're new. They're scared. They're broke. We're all in the same boat here, guys. We're all on the same boat right now. We're just trying to figure it out. But we have made our moves into the precious metals market as well. You guys know about that recently. I wanted to show you guys this chart for what it's worth. Twitter, Twitter is good now. Twitter's been recommending me some good posts. It recommended me this. Um, shout out to Twitter being fun again. I actually was going to show an Elon tweet and, and go into that later, but maybe we'll get into that into the Q&A session here. Um, I'm just going to go over the prices on the cryptocurrencies and then we'll get into Q&A. But uh, let's cover this. We got a fat cup and handle going all the way back to the 70s. And it looks like silver was up at 50 bucks. 50 bucks an ounce back in uh, this, the, the late 70s, 80s. That's crazy. But we got a serious cup and handle here on the silver chart going back all the way to the 70s. This thing looks like it, it once it's out of suppression and uh, out of this accumulation phase, I mean, three digits, and I'm hearing that from everyone. And of course, my coin dealer is going to tell me three digits. He's selling the, the dang things. But, uh, you know, stocked up here. I got some one ounces, got a little bit more, got a little bit of everything. Haven't bought gold yet. Um, but, you know, precious metals up until this point, it had just been Second Amendment for me. Now, uh, with the silver, I'm, I mean, I've got the silver bug because silver just seems super suppressed, more so than gold. And then the divisibility, the ability to use it for barter, the ability to use it as a decentralized currency uh, and, and a store of wealth. Um, even even if the prices don't go crazy, I mean, we're we're bound to do something here once we once we break out of this, right? So this is just accumulation for me at this point. What tangible real assets of value can you accumulate right now, and how much of them can you accumulate? Is based off of your income or your business. So all I think about is business and investments. How do I make how do I make the money, and how much of it can I make? And how much can I put into investments and what should I invest in? What's going to give me the best return? Silver, for the investment purpose, the gain potential, yeah, it's there. But half the story with silver is just in case the lights go out and I need to buy some food. The lights go out and I need to buy a, a trip to freedom. Who knows what could be that potential use, right? But you got to have it. Got to have it. I mean, right next to me, nine milli, and then we got one ounce, one ounce coins, just metal, stacked, crypto bags, fat, and on a daily basis, we put 90% of our attention into our business. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. 90% of my attention and time is going into my business. Okay? But we are ready to move. We are ready to move on the real estate. Cryptos, man. I wanted to get XLM at 17 cents. These really already looked good. Yesterday, I told my Discord, I said, guys, I think that the Federal Reserve 
it's it's already priced into the markets. I'm expecting a relief rally, and that's what we got today. Bitcoin back up to 39.7. Ethereum, did it break 3K? Looks like it got close. And then XRP did a nice 6% up to 65.15. 65, 65 cents. So that's good. Good to see. Um, my overall thesis right now, for everyone wondering, I continue to follow blockchain backer for the direction of this market. And, uh, I, you know, everything that he's saying makes sense for still that setup, that retracement to the upside. Like we've entered a macro bear market. We've entered a macro bear market, but we're still going to see a retracement to the upside. And I'm hoping and praying for that to come in. I'm hoping that these suppressed coins will absolutely go on a rip. And then I will be readjusting my portfolio. I will be readjusting my strategy uh, for cryptocurrencies. And uh, I'm going to be covering that with my Discord here this month. I'm going to actually try to do that this week on our weekly call because the setup's still there. We've been talking about the setup since January. You guys can go back and pull up the TikToks of me in December, January, saying that we got a pump coming in January. Super excited for it. And, you know, obviously look like an idiot now, right? It's just, but um, everything's still at play, right? And the ripovers of SEC lawsuits over for all intents and purposes. So it's just a matter of time, whether it's next month, this month, or uh, we're stuck waiting until next year. I mean, we're going to rip at some point here for the suppressed assets. So we just continue to accumulate during these times. And if we don't get the alt season, it might be different this time around because we had all the NFTs and all the meme coins, right? This, this is a different market. Um, but in my opinion, it's the same manipulators, market makers that have been controlling this thing from the very beginning. And they've kept XRP suppressed while we see record numbers, record on-demand liquidity volume partnerships, 25 countries that you can access on-demand liquidity, 86% of a $6 trillion daily network. We got coverage in. So nearly the whole $6 trillion daily uh, cross-border FX market, we have coverage in. Basically meaning someone could access and use on-demand liquidity. There, there would be a bank or a Ripple partner in that country, in that corridor, in that, you know, that, that end of the network that could tap into on-demand liquidity. We're at nearly 90% coverage of a $6 trillion FX cross-border market. The market maker whales that control this whole thing have kept this thing suppressed. They play with our emotions. They're going to fud us out. They're going to kill us financially in every way. We talk about the real estate market. We talk about inflation, the supply. I mean, guys, I just went through, how long have I been on a live? 39 minutes. I try to be short and sweet for you guys, but we have so much to cover. So much to cover. They're going to kill us financially. Look at what's happening in the streets right now. I mean, it's brutal, right? So we're, we're seeing all of the job losses from Main Street businesses, which is the heartbeat of America. And I know I mostly speak on America, but we talk about the global situation as well. Um, I speak on America because obviously I live here and know it best and can see it firsthand. 
Main Street businesses were propped up and basically given one last injection, uh, one more shot of life back uh, in the bailouts after the March 2020 events and all the massive money printing and stimulus and PPP loans. They propped up Main Street. They kept the show going for a little bit longer. And now they're pulling the plug. They're raising interest rates because inflation's running rampant. We're in the beginning stages of a hyperinflationary threat. So they're trying to stop us from reaching that hyperinflationary where it completely runs away and we have the death of the currency. But we've already got a loss of faith in the US dollar. They've had to weaponize it to force people to use it. Now it's down to only about 60% usage worldwide. And you're starting to see other countries back their currencies by gold, by commodities, Russia leading the way. The BRICS nations already done the deals. This whole thing's getting exposed right now as we speak. The average person will not be able to take advantage of this great transfer of wealth. They're going to be on the wrong side of the equation. And that's what's so unfortunate. That's why I have my channel here is because I want people to wake up to this and see the opportunity get, get tapped in to serious strategies that have been proven for hundreds of years. Um, for building businesses, for actually being more accountable of yourself, getting, getting your game up in every aspect of your life, being accountable to yourself, your family, your community, your church, your higher calling or purpose. I mean, golly, guys, half the world here is gone. For those of us that are tapped in in this moment, um, they, you know, the folks would call it the 5D consciousness, right? This higher level of consciousness. Okay, I agree. But we got to take massive action. And we got to hold each other accountable right now. We, we got to be taking action on a daily basis as if our life depends on it. As if we have an enemy that's trying to kill us financially. And I say kill us financially because I don't want to just say they're trying to kill us. Because I don't want to get in trouble, you know. But... <laughs> Guys, there are, it's a food crisis, water crisis, health crisis, liquidity crisis, debt crisis, and you better include a spiritual crisis as well. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Greatest Transfer of Wealth with your host, Zach Rector. Please remember to follow us over on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Rumble. To get in touch, please just head on over to ZachRector.com. You can check out all of our affiliate links and get access to our exclusive Discord community over at the website. We appreciate all of you for tuning in, and all that we ask is that you share this message with other like-minded individuals. If you appreciate the show, feel free to go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We will see you in the next one. Take care and God bless.